Hello and welcome to the latest Bicom podcast. I'm Richard Pater, the director of Bicom, and it's August the 4th. Today, I'm delighted to welcome back Dr. Asaf Shapira, who is the head of the political reform program at the Israel Democracy Institute. His research focuses on political representation, political parties, and the role of money in politics. Dr. Shapira, welcome back, and thank you for joining me again today. Hello, and uh, thank you. So we're still three months away from the general election, scheduled for the November the 1st, but I thought today we would focus largely on the upcoming internal primaries that some of the parties are holding. Uh, perhaps we could begin with some background. When did these primaries start, and what was the genesis behind them? Okay, so first of all, I will mainly refer to closed primaries, which are the elections of the primary of the party's candidates for the Knesset and the party's leader by all party members. There is a, a different uh, method of open primaries in which all voters or all, all citizens can participate, but, but I am talking about closed primaries. So already in the 70s, the centrist party Dash used primaries, but this party disappeared very quickly. In the modern uh, times, the primaries started with the, in the Labour Party. Before the 1992 elections, the party chose the leader, Rabin, and the candidate through primaries. The method was, was considered a great success because after all, the Labour Party returned to power after these elections. So the Likud also adopted the primaries. And this is how a, a young and, and a talented politician named Benjamin Netanyahu was elected as the party leader in 1993. And, and, the, and the party used the, the system uh, to select its uh, list also before the 1996 elections. Now, the Labour Party has continued to use primaries ever since. The Likud returned in certain periods to choose the list uh, of candidates in the Merkaz Likud, the conference of the party, the convention of the party, which is a smaller body of 1,000 to 2,000 people. But in 2009, it returned to use the primary. Merit also used the primaries in some cases, and in other cases, used the, uh, the party conference. Also, Mafdal and later the Deutsche Home used, in some cases, primaries. And in the upcoming elections, four parties will choose the list and the leader by primaries. Likud, Labour, Merit, and religious Zionism, for which it is the first time it uses the primaries. And, and I think that the fact that for, for the first time, after a long period, a new party chose to adopt primaries may indicate that the system is, is recovering or gaining uh, more popularity, but it is too uh, early uh, to tell it. For the, uh, for the parties that don't hold primaries, what are the other methods that they would use? Okay, so so, there is open primaries with the, the participation of anyone who wants to participate. This is not common in Israel. There is closed primaries. Um, there are elections in party institutions, such as a conference. This is a method uh, currently used by parties like Hadash and Balad. There are parties, other parties, in which a small body of the party, which consists of a few members of the party elite, chooses the list. This is a, a, what, what was called in the past, in the Labour Party and the Likud Party, the Adam Sederet, an organizing 
committee. Today it exists uh, mainly in the ultra-Orthodox parties, and there are parties where a single leader determines the list, such as New Hope and Blue and White and the and other uh, parties. Is Israel quite unique in this sense, comparative to other systems that, uh, that some parties can choose internal democracy and others kind of just have it arbitrarily decided by the leader? Ah, no, 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 certainly not, definitely not. In most democracies, parties are free to choose the candidate and the leader as they wish. This is related to the fact that parties are still a, a at least partially seen as a voluntary, as voluntary institutions, part of the civil society that do not belong to the state. And therefore the state's ability to force them how to behave, how to choose their candidates is limited. In Israel, this is also related to the fact that some parties represent publics that do not have a democratic political culture, such as the ultra-Orthodox parties. So it is difficult to, to demand that they conduct themselves democratically. But, but by the way, before the party law was, was passed in Israel, in 1992, there were proposals to demand a certain type of intra-party democracy, but, but this was not um, accepted. Uh, uh, there are only a few countries that force parties to choose their candidates democratically. A prominent example is Germany, where the parties must choose the leader and the candidates democratically, either in primaries or in elections by institutions such as conference that uh, uh, these institutions themselves were chosen by party members. New Zealand has a uh, similar uh, rules. And there is the, the special case of the USA, which is very different without going into details. Basically in the USA, there is no obligation to hold primaries, but this is not only the practice for decades in the two major parties, but it is also partially uh, managed, regulated by the state, but, but, but it is not a uh, mandatory even in the USA. What would you say are the advantages for the parties that do hold uh, primaries, the closed primaries? <laughs> advantages or uh, disadvantages? Because 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 uh, uh, primaries has uh, have many disadvantages because the party a lot of money they create a create a competition between candidates that includes uh, uh, negative campaigns they are often accompanied by suspicion uh, of, of corruption and they give great power uh, often too much power to actors who have influence over the party members for example leaders of unions but but regarding the advantages on the other hand in the bottom line the primaries prove themselves. The largest and most successful party in Israel for decades is a party which holds primaries, the Likud. Other parties that have primaries, Labour and Meretz, also managed to, to survive uh, to, and to recover despite severe uh, crisis. On the other hand, many personal parties arose and quickly disappeared. Uh, uh, Kulanu, Atnua, and many more. There is something about primaries that helps parties to survive and to recover. One advantage is that primaries um, inject new blood into the party. Thanks to the democratic elections, new politicians enter and other leave, and new issues come up on the agenda. Another advantage is that although primaries are sometimes accompanied by, by a negative image in the media, in the end, the media is interested in parties that have primaries and covers them more, and this contributes to the party. But I think that the main advantage, the main reason that, that, they, that for example, the Likud is uh, such a successful party despite uh, the primaries, in my opinion, is that primaries encourage and, and even force the party and the politicians to maintain contact with the public in order to recruit members and to convince uh, people to vote for, for, the, for uh, these politicians in the primaries. 
uh, uh, therefore in parties that have primaries, the politicians and the party are usually more active on the ground through local branches, conventions, maintain, maintaining uh, contact with party activists and politicians in local governments, maintaining contact with unions and community leaders. And this presence on the ground is something that helps the party to survive and, and to recover and to, to success, like Likud, Labour and Merits. Interesting that you mentioned kind of the advantage of kind of being able to kind of bring out uh, new candidates. I wondered in such a system, which we're obviously, um, Israel is dealing now with kind of incredible uh, instability in their governments, if long-standing parliamentarians create more stability in an unstable system. <laughs> sure, we suffer from extreme uh, political instability. And I think that to be a member of the Knesset, like every other parliament, is a profession. It's really a profession. It takes time for new Knesset members to learn how to perform effectively and, and in a meaningful way in their parliamentary work. And in this sense, even if there is an extreme political instability as there is today in Israel, it is better at least that in each new Knesset that is elected every one or two years, uh, two years, we will see veteran uh, members, veteran Knesset members who have already learned how to work in the parliament. So, so if we have political instability, at least I think that we should have veteran uh, Knesset members. Um, and just coming back, we discussed about kind of that uh, they could um, um, now obviously have the primaries, but in the past they also, within the last 20 years, they also went to a system of choosing it from the uh, from the central committee. The, the Likud uh, central committee has kind of a, uh, a notorious name for kind of for its ability to exert influence over politics and over the parliamentary faction. I would just wonder kind of in the political cycle, even maybe away from the primaries, how much power does the Likud Central Committee have? It's complicated because on the one hand, when you have primaries, the influence of internal party uh, institutions like conference or, or committees and so on, their influence is very limited. You know, the, the, the list and the, and the leader of the Likud is elected by more than 100,000 members of the Likud, while these institutions include 1,000, 2,000 members. So, so the influence over the, the, the selection of the list and the candidates is very limited. It is true that inside this institution, you can find people that have great influence on, on for example, few thousands members of the Likud. And so they, these people specifically like leaders of unions and community leaders and so on, these people specifically have huge influence over the primaries, but the institutions in uh, themselves, they are not so important anymore. It's more that they, they, they uh, preserve their, their name than a real influence. It is true that they can, decide the exact system of the primaries, and this is important. For example, what are the conditions for, for a member of the Likud to choose? Whether only veteran members that are members of the Likud for, for one or two years can choose in the primaries, or that also new members can choose. And this have a huge influence over the results of the elections, of course. But, but this is the main influence. The, the influence over the primaries is, uh, is very limited. 
Um, and if we can turn our attention to the, at least according to the polls, to the second largest party, Yesh Atid, which prides itself as being kind of Israel's uh, liberal, liberal dem democratic party, um, yet they don't hold any primaries at all. Can you describe kind of their, what their grassroots network is like and how you think they feel that they have no consultation process in forming their list? Okay, so first, Yesh Atid was born to some extent out of the failure of Kadima party. Kadima used the primaries, yes? And it mm. this party collapsed and disappeared uh, quite quickly. And Yair Lapid also uh, remember uh, <laughs> that his father was suffered uh, due to the uh, internal democracy, some kind of internal democracy in Shinui party. So, so it's like that this party and Yair Lapid specifically have some kind of trauma trauma from internal democracy and especially primaries. Uh, basically, Yashatid, I think, is, is truly a rare example of a party that is, on the one hand, very, very personal uh, party. On the, on the other hand, this party manages to maintain an impressive presence on the ground, like parties uh, that have primaries, like Likud and Labour and Meretz, with many activists. And, and loyal activists. In this sense, it is a success. It avoids the problems of the primaries, but gains the greatest advantages, contact with the public. This happens mainly thanks to very, um, very efficient conduct of the party and it's uh, especially its professional, professional uh, team, professional uh, leadership, which maintains, maintains a, a continuous contact with the activists and encourages the party's Knesset members to maintain continuous contact with them. For example, each Knesset member in Yesh Atid is responsible for a certain sector, either a geographical uh, territorial area, north, south, uh, Jerusalem, Tel Aviv, and so on, or a social group such as uh, uh, immigrants or gays. And this also uh, happens thanks to the party's very, very effective use of social networks. I think that the question is, of course, whether the party will survive if and when uh, Yair Lapid leaves politics. But for now, this party is functioning very, very well. Interesting. And you think that, and you don't sense there's a resentment within the party that they don't get to choose their list? I think that the, 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 there is, you know, Ofer Shelach left the party one or two years ago because he wanted it to be more internally democratic, because he wanted to challenge uh, Yair Lapid and he didn't, uh, he, mm. he didn't survive uh, inside the, the party. But I think that basically, the main objective, the main goal of parties is to success, yes, in the elections and in the Knesset and in the government. And Yair Lapid provides Yesh Atid with, with great success. He is the prime minister, and this is the second largest party in the Knesset. So as long as this party success, a, a, a managed to success, you know, to be such a successful party, the supporters and activists of Yesh Atid, they accept the fact that this party is not democratic. If, for example, these elections will be a failure for Yesh Atid with 10 states in the Knesset, I don't see it happening, but, but it's a possibility, then we will start to see, I think, more, more, uh, more voices inside the party that, uh, that are calling for more uh, internal democratic behavior. Um, and if we can turn to the, I suppose, to the right-wing end of the spectrum, you mentioned that the religious Zionists are holding uh, primaries this time. What do you think their their motivation is, and how does that affect kind of 
the the makeup of the religious Zionist party between the uh, the Jewish power faction and the uh, and uh, Bezalel Smotrich's group as well. Okay, so primaries can achieve or can contribute to a party by by a, a, by gaining a momentum. Parties can help. A, sorry, primaries can help parties to recruit members to gain the support support of new voters of new publics. And the religious Zionism, Zionism is trying to do that. Is, this party is trying to to replace the the <laughs> the Jewish army, which no no longer actually exists. But also Yamina mm. is the main right wing a religious Zionist. Party and the fact that uh, uh, it recruited, I think, more than twenty thousand thousand members, and they have primaries, and they will enjoy a uh, cover uh, the, the the coverage by the media. It will help them. Uh, they think that it will have help, help them to gain this uh, this uh, momentum. Um, Otma Yudit does not have primaries. Otma Yudit is an example for a party that I think. Quite a, a personal party that is totally controlled today by uh, Itamar Ben Gvir, but but uh, the religious Zionism led by uh, Smotrich tries to present itself as, as a little bit more mainstream uh, party and more democratic uh, party. Um, and if we can just as another question on the other side of the spectrum, there's a lot of uh, speculation over kind of the, the necessity of labor and merits to, to unify. Um, again, how much do you think this uh, resonates within the uh, decision making of the members as they go to the primaries? And I suppose looking ahead, what your assessment is of whether they will or will not uh, unify in the end? Yes, I think that we should pay atten attention to the very important competition between Zahava Galon and Yair Golan for the position of the chairman or chairwoman mm -hmm. uh, or in merits. Zeva Galon is a veteran leader who is trying to make a comeback and she is supported by the establishment of merits and most of the activists and most of the Knesset members of the party. But she represents, regarding your question, the old merits, a distinct, very left-wing party. As Galon even recently stated that Merit is not a Zionist party, although she herself, Zeva Galon, did present herself as, as a Zionist. Um, there is also Yair Golan. Yair Golan, apparently, I, I wouldn't underestimate his chances, although, of course, Zabar Golan has more chances. Yair Golan apparently enjoys the support, support in the kibbutzim and among the Arabs, and he is trying to take merits in a slightly different direction. Still left, but a clear Zionist left and more, more inclined to the center and more aggressive. So I think... Theoretically, if Yair Golan uh, is elected to the chairman of Merz, there is more likelihood that he will at least try to, to, to form a, an alliance uh, with, with the Labour and a joint list with the Labour. Zahar Golan probably, probably won't do it because if she presents and defines Merit as non-Zionist party, there is no chance that Merav Michaeli would accept uh, this party. With Yair Golan, there is slightly more uh, likelihood, but still, Merav Michaeli herself <laughs> tries to build uh, again the image of, of the Labour Party as the, you know, as a more centrist party. So she herself, Merav Michaeli, the leader of the Labour Party, does not want a joint list with Merit. But still, if Yair Golan is elected, there is more likelihood. 
Interesting. Um, if I can just ask you one one final question, kind of uh, looking ahead beyond the the primaries uh, uh, season. Um, when do you expect the kind of the election campaign in earnest to kind of to, to heat up and to and to galvanize the general public? And, and what do you anticipate being the most important issues on the agenda this time around? Well, we have a problem because we have the holidays in, in October, just yeah. the, before the election. So, so probably in, in September, it will be the most interesting uh, period before the elections. Regarding the, the elections themselves, well, the main question will be the same question as the, or the, the, the recent elections since 2019, whether Netanyahu and his political bloc, the, the parties uh, that belong to his political bloc, will reach 61 seats in the Knesset. This is, this is maybe the only interesting uh, question in these elections, uh, which will allow Netanyahu, of course, to form to form a, a government. It didn't happen in all recent elections, but, but you know, it, it's a question of one seat uh, for the Likud or one seat for, for Yeshatid. It can happen in these elections. And, and also the, the main question on the agenda, uh, therefore, unfortunately, would be, would we as Israelis like to see Netanyahu as prime minister uh, once again. There are also other issues, of course, on the agenda, for example, the cost of living, the rising uh, cost of living in Israel. This is very important to all Israelis, but you know, you can't find any real differences uh, in this issue between Netanyahu or Gantz or Likud. You can't say that Yair Lapid is a social democrat while Netanyahu is neoliberal. There are no real differences between them. Uh, in general, this is not a, a, an issue that, uh, that is very central uh, to elections in Israel. Another interesting issue, an important issue, is the, the status and the, the, the authority and the legitimacy of institutions such as the Supreme Court and the police and the Attorney General, the law enforcing institutions. Because one of the main uh, uh, agendas uh, in the Likud and all, all their uh, political bloc, the ultra-Orthodox parties, and of course the religious Zionism, is to limit the power of these institutions, especially vis-a-vis -vis the power of the elected institutions, the Knesset and the government, while the other, the anti-Netanyahu political bloc, uh, um, tries more to, to preserve them as central and very powerful institutions. So this is another issue. But, but, but beyond all this, yes or no Netanyahu, whether Netanyahu will reach 61 seats in the Knesset, this is the most important question. Well, we will wait, we will wait and see, but thank you so much for your time today. Uh, Dr. Asaf Shapira, thank you very much. Thank you, thank you, bye.